Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Real Adventures. Good morning and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you are right around the country. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. Redmond, good morning to you. Good morning, mate. Pleasure to be here as usual. How are you? How are you tracking? Going well, mate. Uh, probably better than you given the weather around oh, the country. I was not, um, not, not just myself. I feel sorry for everyone that works in this industry here in Victoria, in the fishing industry. It's funny you mention that. I, I put up a story during the week of just the enormous swell and... Chris Cassar, Cassar. Yeah. Um, Charters messaged me saying, mate, this weather, it's killing me. Was there a couple of swear words involved in it? It's killing me. It was. <laughs> it was. It's, um, it's been bloody hard work. On the plus side, well, not really a plus side, there's been some really nice captures out of, um, out of the snowies mm. when we head to, to New South Wales. We'll wrap that a little later in the work around. But there's some really nice browns that have been caught, Redmond. But in terms of offshore, it's been a tough week for you because, and your brotherhood when it comes to fishing because the swell's been just ginormous. It, not just swell. I'm pretty sure Antarctica's been here. Uh, the wind, <laughs> everything's been here. We've copped it. We've had wind and we finally got a bit of, I guess, break in the wind on Thursday. And then the swell down the coast picks up to six metres and four metres at home again. So... We just can't get a break. Like, it, and it hasn't been just three or four days. This has been bad for a solid, solid seven or eight days now where it's been bad. And we've had in-betweens a couple of days of fishing. But the boys have been doing it tough. Uh, when I say the boys, charter boat operators, I should yeah, say. Yeah, to try and get out. Just trying to make a living through winter because this is when they knock on the, the, tuna, the tuna front and they start chasing these fish. Are most charter barrels. boat operators this time of the year, like if you're operating... In the ocean, you're targeting tuna in Victoria. If you're operating in the heads, is it, is it less of a yeah less of an issue in terms of the weather? Like to tell the oh, if so, Port Phillip Bay. This is where we're myself included blessed. We have the protection vi- protection of Port Phillip Bay and Western Port, and uh, this is probably why Salt Guide's been so successful regarding the accessibilities that we get. And what I mean by that is, if you have a Salt Guide, which is a Platform that we teach people how to fish. Membership, yep. If you had a membership-based platform with people and you live, say, for example, just specifically in Bermagui, you've only got the ocean to contend with, yes. which is limits you to Unless so you many... fish, you know, you can fish off the beach no, or you're fishing through creeks. I was about to come into it, but then it restricts so much, I guess, so many different species of fish as well. And your $180,000 boat that sits in the shed Doing... is in... Isn't exactly getting exactly, and it's well. I only, I only say like Sydney's another great place where salt. I think like salt guide would go well because they have the accessibility to get away with fishing and then protected. Weather. Protected, well, that's yeah, right. The waterways are so enormous, so we can fish on a on the west side of Port Phillip Bay. If we get an incoming tide along St Leonard's, and we've got a fifteen knot say west southwest wind, we can fish the wide in, especially as an operator, charter operator. 
they can fish the whiting in a protected area. Mm. They can because bigger boats, etc. Not as comfy in boats like my, my, mine or, and yours. Or yeah. Yours is a bit bigger, but it's still not nice to fish. Yeah. Where if you're just an ocean fisherman, so if you're out of Portland right now, well, Portland's another example. So if you're out of Portland and you had a salt guide or a charter boat out of there, what, what do you do? Like, you, you're chasing tuna this time of the year. If you're not chasing tuna, you're chasing the bottom fish. You can't access it because, number one, it's so rough there. So much swell gets involved there with this weather. So that's why they get restricted. And that's why uh, Chris Vasilevsky is a great example of this. When he goes down to Portland, it's not necessarily a money-making aspect of it. It's to change the scenery. The diversity the of diversity. fish that you offer. Yep. Well, the problem, or the thing that's actually changed now is obviously the tuna that's op- that operates out the front of the Port Phillip Bay heads now basically all year round. We have a great run of tuna, uh, school tuna, which they go to Portland to chase. So do they need to go down there and do it anymore? But Chris st- still says, we go down there because in the winter everything's limited, I guess, harder to catch in Port Phillip Bay. So they go down there, they chase those tuna, they look at different rocks, they look at different water, they go to the pub and they have a bit of a social life as well because they work hard, the Charter Boys. They work from Mm. October, they say October, November, December, January, February into basically when school holidays finish. Five months, they're on the water two to three times a day every single day starting at 4 or 5 a.m. right through to... 7, 8, 9 p.m. at times. I know Chris Cassar, you mentioned him. Three snapper charters a day. Do you, They're working hard. Do you miss your time as a decky as a charter operator? Like, What are your, um, what are your fondest memories of, of working as a charter operator? I love teaching people how to fish. I always have. Yeah. I, I really do. I, like, you know what I'm like. I'm fishing. Yeah. I don't ever want to wind the fish in. I, I, my enjoyment comes from other getting people. you a fish or like yep. landing you that big barrel, that sh- first big bronzer you got, the things like that. I, I enjoy that. And that that's where the charter aspect of it. And I have said to you, do I get my next boating survey to do the odd charter? Number one, bit of cash to help out around the house to get things done. And number two, because I really do enjoy taking people fishing and I won't do it illegally. I just won't. I've got too much to lose. And basically, if, if you were to ask me, would I do it again? Coming from where I've come from, I guess... I look at it now going, I've been very blessed with Salt Guide and I guess the stuff that you and I get to do together. It's They work extremely hard, the charter boat guys. And yeah. having my heart condition and everything that goes along with it, I f- wouldn't be able to do what they do. Like your Chris Cassars, etc. They work hard. He's very good at his job, and he, but he works hard. Yeah. He does. Like he'd be, you ask him in snapper season, he'd, he'd be going loony at times. Not just him, all the charters. Like they don't sleep. They they're just working so hard. And it's not a glamorous job, it's is it? No, no it's, it's not. So if you were to ask me, would I do it? Yes, I would do it again, hundred percent. But I would love to do it at my own leisure. So all right, we've got some nice weather coming up. I need to do the concrete at home, which I do need to do. Need a little bit of cash to help out around the house. Let's run a charter, and you can take people, enjoy the day. Because if you do it every day, it becomes a job. If you're doing it here and there, I think I'd, I would enjoy doing it again. If you yeah. lived in sunny Queensland or WA where Jazz Charters, my friends live, and you can go out, I guess, at more respectable hours and have, I, I don't know, would you, that'd probably change things up a little bit. It's funny, I was uh, having a chat to Benny Cunnington the other day, North Melbourne uh, champion, and he's uh, in the market for a new boat at the moment. Having He dropped into uh, Melbourne Marine on Monday, Ben did. Oh, you've spoken to him, obviously. Oh, which, which multiple time? Multiple times. times. <laughs> we were talking about um, just like family boats. Yeah. You know, the balance of getting a boat that suits your family, but also the things that you want to go and do yourself. But as time you know, goes on and your life changes, 
you're a lot more cognizant of what is going to suit the family because if you really want to get out, you're going to take the Rugrats with you and yep. and you, you just don't quite have as much time. Because he had, I forget the name of the... He's got, you, a, he's got a Benito Center Console. Benito, I thought it was Benito Center Console. And little five, five meter, give or take. Absolutely nothing against Benito Center Consoles or Center Consoles in general. But in Victoria, unless you are hardcore, that is a really difficult boat to enjoy 12 months of the year, especially if... Your day off is, well, the kids are going with you, love. So absolutely, you can go fishing, but you're taking one of the rugrats yep. with you. That's bloody hard. And I just, it's so limiting in Victoria to have a centre console. Do you know how he led to, Ben led to the conversation of a new boat? Did he tell you? No. He pulled into the boat ramp, uh, I think it was Altona, and Basher Hooley was at the boat ramp. And he parked next to Basher. And go, hey, Basher, how you going? They obviously know each other through the footy and the fishing world. And having a chat, and the kids go, Dad, I want to. Why don't we have a boat like that? <laughs> and they're in the little Benito, and then they're like, What? Why don't you have a boat like that? Like, cabin, look at this. We can do that. We can do this. And Basher has a beautiful bass straight. Yep. And uh, Ben's like, Mrs. was there too. Maybe I'll be able to get this over the line. So <laughs> he's, he's managed to, with the Mrs. approval, he's managed yes. to, uh, yeah, the kids want a new boat, and that's what he wants to do. And obviously, having his young family, he's got three kids now, Ben. And he. Uh, Your cabin does take up a like plenty of your fishing room, if you're truly hardcore, but yes. it provides you so much protection but from the elements. What other people don't what people don't understand, what it also provides you is, it provides you with three steps back from the front of the boat. What do you mean? It makes you have a much softer ride too. Yes. The further you get pushed up the nose of your boat, yep. obviously that's where it hits. So you want to be back from where you hit on your waterline a little bit. So coming back a little bit, it also, the cabin allows you to have a smoother ride as well as yes. the comfort. So, Which was always the interesting thing around Stabycraft's new Ultra Cab and their yep, design. Because they pushed it so far up. Brilliant design. But the driving helm is so much further forward yes. than any other boat comparable of its size. Yep. Yep. It is a big boat though, a lot of those Ultra Cabs. They, and that's why they do respond so well to this maxing out on horsepower. Not because of the actual speed that it gives but the extra weight yep. that it provides the boat it's uh which you need to have if you're going to have that helm that far forward i haven't i haven't been in one i've got to go in Gwaines. i haven't been in one i not not the ultra cab version that you're speaking of i would like to go in one because well, the your old 21 yeah the difference with that was you can't compare it because it was the helm once again yeah. was three foot back set back yeah 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 it's and then, like i said it comes down to where the boat hits too so Absolutely, it does. Yeah, 100%. But it's, uh, yeah, Ben buying a new boat. He's just, he's after a family boat that suits well. And there's so many great brands out there. And that there is, like, I could name 50 of them right now. Like, but I've spoke to him. And obviously, being you, you and myself, we've, I both own North Banks. We're ambassadors for North Banks. And we love our boats. We generally do, don't we? Like, we love it's not our the boat. fastest boat. No, it's not a fast boat. But it's an all rounder in an, terms of its ability. As an all rounder, look what I do in it. Like, I'm traveling 80, 90 k's off Polo Bay in some of the roughest water. Southern Ocean, it's horrible. And we're doing that in a little six-meter boat. The bigger the boat, more comfortable it gets, obviously. But it's got high sides for kids, and it's got a nice cabin as well for kids too. It's got a very big beam on it. So as an all-round boat, which is ben, which Benny's chasing, that's why he's obviously come to yourself and myself for a bit of conversation and dropped into Melbourne Marine. And he reported messaged me last night and goes, I fell in love. 
So he loves the boat, and he said, when can I come out in yours? So I'm <laughs> uh, hoping to get him out with us next week, and we might even get him on the show or something in the next couple of weeks and see where he's sort of at and the decisions that's making him, uh, I guess, what's, the things you pushing, look for. Yeah, the, what he's, what's pushing him to either decision he makes. Speaking of making those decisions easier, the gates have closed Redmond on the 2023 Sanctuary Cove International Boat Show. Uh, more than 50,000 people uh, ventured to the show. There was over 700 boats on display there's 300 on the water, and all reports from everyone that you've spoken to it was a it was a wonderful success. Particularly, and this is such an important part for us later on in the year for Victorians around the Melbourne Boat Show. The weather was great. I think a few people's uh, uh, bums will be shaking, Patrick. It's safe to say with the weather at the end of the it end of the year makes such an enormous difference. It's just yeah, this is what shaped this boat show up to be tremendous. And I spoke to Rob Cummins from North Bay Boats. I spoke to Dave uh, me, uh Dave Mann from Mercury and they just said it was an absolute cracker. They yeah. said it was amazing, a lot to do with the weather. They had well over 50,000 people go through the gates. Uh they had oh, it was I think there was 100 boats on display outside. There was Hundreds upon hundreds, I think it was 600 plus or 700 plus boats just inside. Like, it's a massive display of boats. So if you are looking into the boat and you're from anywhere in the country listening to this right now, it'd be worth heading up next year. Yeah, it was a absolutely bit of, it is. Frogley's Offshore was there, uh, which is obviously the association I've got. They had a great display on the fishing. And I said to Dave, I said, Dave, was there much fishing there? And he goes, no. I said, oh... He goes, well, what do you mean? I said, well, I've seen Frogley's. They had, he goes, oh, yeah, they had a stand there. But he reckons it was the only one there, which I'm a bit disappointed in. But you know what he did say? The Auckland Boat Show has a whole hall in amongst the boat show, which is designated for fishing. Yeah. I didn't know that. So why don't we do it here? Perhaps something that we can learn. Do we not get support from, from, I guess, the distributors? So your Frogley's, your Shimano's, everything? Or it's simply how much work that goes into putting all of that in, setting it up, and just not having an appetite for it. I mean, the, the only reason they'll have reduced it is because people would have been buying. Yeah, okay, yeah. Hey, before we get to the break, I do want to run through a little bit of 4x4 news for you, Redmond. The 2025 Kia Ute has been confirmed for Australia. Uh, so the two top-selling Utes in Australia, the Ford Ranger and Toyota Hilux, will soon, apparently have a new challenger uh, that's stepping to the plate. Kia dealers in Australia were told to expect a genuine and serious rival, and I quote, to the Toyota Hilux and Ford Ranger, which have been the top two selling vehicles in Australia for the past six years. So the Kia uh, brand coming to the Ute segment, which is a really interesting one, to to say the least, certainly for, for boaties and caravanners and anyone that's sort of a real adventures listener. It's a relevant piece, Redmond, because you would say if it's a rival to those two Utes, then it's going to tow three and a half tons. Well, I'm just reading it now. People are literally in all the. I'm not reading the article. I'm. I was interested in what the, the viewers had to say. People have literally multiple comments here saying, hopefully, it will have a heap of power for towing, not just the rating, and also come with a seven year warranty. <laughs> that's so that's the, that's what Kia comes the, with. The, exactly. That's the brilliance of Kia. Uh, the other one, uh, GMV. GMV? GWN. Jeez, how well am I going? I'm Chinese. <laughs> catching up to where you're at now. And it's, uh, I'm glad you stuffed that up, not me. <laughs> GWMU, the Canon uh, XSR flagship 
is here on its way once again to challenge the top spec Ford Ranger Raptor uh, and the Toyota Hilux in terms of their, I suppose, their premium Utes offerings. Uh, once again, that will be a significant price reduction compared to the two class leaders. But there's certainly a market for for GWM when you consider the premium that you're paying for the Ford Ranger and Toyota Hilux. Um, so that's hitting our shores very, very soon, Redmond. And the other one is Lexus and their Toyota Prado version. Um, and we obviously know when Lexus do four drives, they're basically up spec Toyota Land Cruisers mm. or Toyota Prados, but they have a Toyota Prado-based luxury SUV coming to the Australian market in late 2024, the Lexus GX. So keep your eyes out for that. Quite clearly, there'll be a, there'll be a premium around costings, but in terms of design, it's a far boxier design than what we see in the current Toyota Prado, which is, I'm not exactly sure this iteration, it's, it's at least six, seven years old, I think. So this will be an entirely new design when it comes to that. And just finally, uh, the Toyota Tundra, the right-hand drive development project has been confirmed for Australia, which is another really exciting piece if you're a consumer because it adds the competition, Redmond. You've done well there. I couldn't even keep up with you. As you know, you got it in a very good order. I was just flying through these articles. You've done very well. So testing <laughs> to begin locally uh, next month. They're partnering with Wilkinshaw for the conversion. It'll get a twin-turbo 3.5-litre petrol V6 hybrid. Uh, Australian sale is not confirmed yet, but multiple sources saying it is likely for 2024. And that is our four-wheel drive news, oh, Redmond. They've, uh, yeah, they confirmed a local right-hand drive development program in it. There you uh, go. So we need to get to the break. You're listening to Real Adventures. Huge show ahead of you this morning. We'll see you then. You're listening to Real Adventures. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It is time for the whip around. We find out what's biting in your neck of the woods. We start off in New South Wales, Redmond. Well, speaking of protected waterways and whatnot earlier at the start of the, uh, the, start of the show, Pat, and Port Hacking's one of them, and it allows you to fish. It's just there's so many tight, I guess, tight areas in that, tight waterways in that whole area that allows you to fish in a bit windier conditions. And with the kings that are running through there right now, I've seen some metre-plus kings so close to shore, Pat. So if you get a bit of wind, you'll be able to fish this, and they're really, really good numbers of them. If you do miss out on the kingfish, because we all know they are slightly on the temperamental side at, at times, there's plenty of tailor around, flathead and brim also to keep you busy. Can I just butt in there? No. This is a <laughs> slightly off topic in terms of our whip around, but if we head across to New Zealand whilst we're on the kingfish front, 137 centimetres, mm. 30 Kilos, Murray Wooten caught a kingfish that he will never forget. It's a thumper. Uh, we were talking about it during the week. It was a freaking monster, this thing. Does anywhere in the world get kingfish like New Zealand? Because that thing is like, obviously you see no. them getting speared and they're enormous. Well, you watch that those. Was caught, that was caught on, I think they were jigging. Yeah, so what they do is they go out, there's a lot of chart, they actually get a lot bigger. They get up to 50 kilo, Pat. They like regularly. Yeah. 50 kilos. So what they do is they head out on uh, Calypso charters. There's multiple charters that go out there and do it. And you go out for days and on end. And they, you cover some of the, the best fish, the best fishing grounds in the world. You catch swordfish, marlin, tuna. Sorry, that was uh, caught on a live 
I'll try and pronounce this. They're the, we call them Australian salmon. Kawinyong. Kawahai. Kawinyong. Gotcha. No, Kawinyong's a yakka. Kawai. Kawai. Kawai, sorry. Kawinyong's exactly. a yakka. Sorry. The Australian oh, salmon yep. or kawai. Australian salmon or kawai is the New Zealand version. But they are. It's amazing what size baits they put on over there on a hook on their nose. Like that was like three and a half kilos. Yeah, it's like they just, I would never do that. I just would never do that. It's just, I look at it going, it's stupid. Like, why would you do that? That's like, making it so hard for a fish to eat. But they, like you watch some of those shows, like Big Angry Fish, I think it, it is. Like they're putting some of these car-wise on that are just size of your, my arm's not real thick, but think of a bit thicker <laughs> arm than this, Pat. It's thicker than my arm. Like Size just, of your quad. That's not real thick either. <laughs> we'll go. With, we'll go with your arm, <laughs> and they are catching amazing fish. But the thing is, though, Matty Watson, like you watch some of the stuff he does over there. He literally just walks. Oh, we're going to go down to this rock today. I don't know why we're American then. And he, uh, he, <laughs> he, we're going to go down this rock, and they just literally find a rock with a bit of cover, and they chuck baits in, and they sit there it's and put a bit of burley in, and within fifteen to twenty minutes, yeah, twenty kilo snapper, twenty kilo kingfish <laughs> just rocking up eating his toes. Like it's just an extraordinary, absolute fishery. joke of a fishery that New Zealand has. Like it's just so good. Uh, snapper on at Montague Island as well. Micro jigs uh, have been fishing really well. Fish to sixty centimeters. Fishing early has been the best success. Uh, heading further north, Queensland, yeah. Redmond, Bundy, uh, offshore. Red Hot, Sweet Lip, Coral Trout, Red Emperor, all going great, using prawn-like imitation plastics. Nice. That's what they've been using. So, I don't know, prawn run must be happening or something. There must be prawns up there, but that's what's been getting the majority of the fish. And I'm tipping if you micro-jig there too, you're going to get some fish as well. Uh, Baffle Creek was the other report you had, Remit. Yeah, big fillets of bait. So, live, he's not working as good. Fish have been lazy, but big, big fillets of uh, mullet along the like. So, instead of running them live, uh, huge cod. Being caught, great eating fish up there. And also, Mangrove Jack mixed in with them too. Isn't it funny that you would think live bait over oh. anything else would always work better? But Reports this, are saying no. Yeah. Uh, Western Australia, fishing off the rocks uh, has been phenomenal. Some huge King George White. Yeah, caught. South. 50 centimetres. Yeah, it's South Mole. So I'm not familiar where that is, but... Uh, I've seen some cracking reports, and they're big, big whiting land base. Not massive numbers, but worth, well worth going if you're getting six or eight of those. Uh, squid has been the best bait. Uh, your mates at Jazz yes, Charters. It's been four weeks. Every four weeks, I give you the update. He must have some endless snapper hole. It's like <laughs> goes past into China, like straight through, like it just it, it just drops sinkers in there and just snapper just come out of it. Because the amount of snapper this man catches on his charter boat is just... As good as it gets. As good as it gets. And the thing is, you join him, you're getting... 15-plus kilo kingfish. You're getting, uh, I think he had uh, Samson fish the other day. Like, it just, anything can show up on this charter boat. Like, it's just a phenomenal boat. So, jazz charters, I, you're, without knowing, you're my favourite Western Australia fisherman. <laughs> uh, South Australia land-based out of Ardrossan. Yeah. Sam Jacobs territory there. Uh, plenty of big salmon and squid off the jetty have been caught. Bait and lures working really well for salmon and jigs uh, under a float for the squid. If they're not, if you're not, not yeah. cussing for them, Redmond. if you're not flicking the jig around and being active, get a float on top of it, hold its position, Just let it sit there. Yeah, let it sit there. It's a lazy way of fishing, but we'll catch you fish. Uh, the reason it's land based, like the weather that we've had, affected South Australia too. So Wallaroo, uh, we reported it last week, and again, it was good captures of whiting through there, but it's just the weather. So it's very hard to... I'm in the North Bank Fishing Comp, Wallaroo. Uh, Tasmania, fishing land-based off St. Helens. There's been plenty of big trevally being caught. Uh, and mullet, that's the other one, Redmond. Yeah, so they're both fish that respond to burley. 
So a bit of burley in the water, they're going to come up it, no worries. And just put a bit of, if you're using pillies for bait, I do, uh, for burley, I just use a bit of pilly for bait. Yep. And drop it into that burley trail, whether it's on a sinker or unweighted, and you will catch fish. So, Fishing near uh, Baker's Beach, uh, there's a great run of salmon on as well. Casting metal lures into those gutters has been working a treat. And then once again, varying your retrieve speed. Uh, Victoria, yeah, we spent a bit of time here, not as much as we'd like, because yeah. one of the challenges we've had has been the significant swell. I got out twice, once or twice during the week and had to work for it. So we, uh, I managed to get some whiting uh, in that weather. The other thing is we copped a full moon too. I think the full moon's today. So we had those crap tides leading up to it. Everything just went against us this week. So the fishing's been light on, not many people out. Those who got out, again, the squid on the shallow banks at Western Port, really well. Port Phillip, White, uh, Port Phillip, Fort Phillip Bay whiting, Geelong Heart, waterfront. There's salmon and pinkies all along there too. Yep. Uh, for those kids. For, yeah. Yep. But with those northwest winds, I saw the whole coast from 90 Mile Beach right down to Lawn. There's so many salmon. So the northwest wind allows you to fish off the beach majority of the places. So, yeah, fishing land base off the beach, uh, land base or off the beach, uh, your salmon flicking metals into those gutters will get, you, will get you some fish too, especially during the winter months. Beautiful work, Redmond. That is the whip around. And we're going to jump to quickly because we've got a little bit of time up our sleeve, uh, a little bit of our social club. We take your questions from our Real Adventures social media challenge, uh, channels. If you want to join in the conversation, then make sure you head to our Real Adventures socials on both Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Send us a direct message and we'll do our very best to get in contact with you. Uh, Redmond, the first one is from Tim. What rod storage options do you recommend for the gunnels of your boat? I have, as in externally, in not actually inside the gunnels, on the outside of them, I have uh, combing racks. And I have, yep. on, I have it on both sides. So the reason for this is I film for my work. So we might go out in a day and we might film whiting, snapper, gummy sharks. So I need to travel with a lot of rods. Yep. So... I don't want them always up the top in the rod holders, which I do out of the way when I'm working. But during when I'm traveling, if it's a bit rough, you don't want to lose them. So they come into the boat. So I want to get 12 rods in the boat as much as possible. So they are sitting really good. Another thing is, another disadvantage with them is when you're leaning into the side of your boat, they can smash your shins. So I've had a few people whinge on my boat when they're fighting fish. that Their combing racks stick out a bit and they hit you in the shins. No good. Uh, but if you're going to get them in the gunnels, depending... It's, it's a hard question to ask because it depends what you're fishing for. So you're probably more one for this as in, in your tinny and stuff. So, Would we, you, so we have in our tinny yeah. the Stacer Vino's punt that we've got. We've got Railblazer uh, is the brand and they're set up in the gunnels and that's glued to – I didn't want to screw them in, so glued, sicker-flashed them into the um, – it's not the ribbing, it's like the support um, – Yeah aluminium structure inside the boat. And this is to travel with your rods. This is, to, yeah, yep. exactly right. So we've, we've glued them to that and the same thing with the Stabycraft. Um, and Railblazer is a great brand. They've got um, multi-purpose um, fixing. So you can put a fixing in and you can have a you know rod storage, whatever, yep. and then you can change it to a cup holder. Yeah, because it just pops out. Yeah, so they're not ex- they're not cheap, sorry. No, it's not. Yeah, it's not. It's a good product though. You like usually people look at plastic and say that's crap, but it's not, is it? Mate, exactly right. Yeah, I haven't had much experience, but I've seen it on your on all your boats. Yeah, so I'll put it. I've used it right throughout yeah. my boat, and because of the fact that it becomes universal, yeah. it's an absolute ripper. 
Hey, we're going to get to a break. Great question, Tim. Um, thanks for getting in contact with us. You're listening to Real Adventures. Plenty more to come after the break. The Real Adventures Review for TJM. Take the lead with TJM. Proudly the first Australian-made and manufactured four-wheel drive equipment since 1973. Welcome back to Real Adventures. Our review this week for TJM. And our special guest this morning is James Wheeler, an oyster farmer at Wheeler's Oyster Farm. James, thanks so much for giving up your time this morning on Real Adventures. Thanks very much. I'm uh, excited to be here. Now, Aaron, tell us about how we came to be interviewing James because you've spent a bit of time on the eastern seaboard of Australia, New South Wales, Victoria, obviously. Um, Tell us about your ventures to to meeting James and the the gang. Well, you know how much I love oysters. It's it's been my... Froth them. Literally my favourite thing going around. And uh, Cameron, Cameron White. Uh, former Aussie cricketer. He's cricketer. a very good friend of mine. And uh, we do our normal oyster run. And I used to get oysters for us for years ago. And then Cameron obviously met James. And James, we'll talk about a bit about his golf in a minute. And Cameron obviously loves his cricket too. Uh, not cricket. He hates, he hates cricket. Loves golf. Like all cricketers. <laughs> like all cricketers. <laughs> uh, but they, uh, and then I, yeah, just got, I asked him if he could organise some, after he got some for us for Christmas, I asked if we could get some more when Where'd I was in Eden that time. Yeah, yeah, get them from Wheelers. And I didn't know, I only, obviously met James through this, but at the time I've been eating at the restaurant, which was a part of the Wheelers family for a long, long time. I've, oh, I've been eating there probably since an establishment, not quite that long, but since uh, I've been going to Eden and uh, Mer- Marimbula and Bermagui, I've obviously stopped there and eaten there with the boys pretty much every single year. So yeah, I finally met one of the, one of the men behind the scenes. So tell us about that story, James. How did, how did it all happen uh, for your folks that, that kicked it off? Um, well, Dad came to oyster farming because his old man actually was an accountant. Um, and his old man said, you should become an oyster farmer because Dad was, didn't know what he wanted to do. And his old man said, um, there's a few oyster farmers down in Marimbula doing really well. So Dad and his mate um, jumped at it. And um, 30 years later, they found themselves, well, Dad bought his mate out and he found himself with a really successful business, and I've been lucky enough to jump on board. And and how is that responsibility now that um, Dad's retired and it's you behind the wheel along with your sister? It's a, it's a great family story. Yeah, so Dad sort of, when he became an oyster farmer, he, he saw that there was a massive markup compared to Farmgate to what you'd buy in a restaurant. So Dad wanted to take a bite out of that margin, so he built a restaurant next door there where um, Aaron's been a few times, he reckons. So he he was able to get more for his oyster, and that way we were able to, um, you know, expand our farm, be able to acquire more lease, um, and that way now I've got a big enough lease where my sister and I have bought, well, not bought that out, we've got sort of like a lease agreement where we can both have our own farms and be just as successful um, because of the way farming techniques have advanced in the last few years that you don't need as much water to grow just as many oysters as we used to uh, about 10 years ago. So it's really exciting for us to have a chance at, um, you know, creating our own piece of marimbula and make it just as good as Dad has, hopefully. Now, take us back a little bit in your history. So to get into oyster farming in the family business, did you want to do it? What were you doing beforehand? So after school, I was a bit of a... Uh, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I loved golf. I went up to the Hyatt in Coolum. I don't know if you heard of it. Um, and I had a, a golf coach up there by the name of Peter Heiniger, and I gave it a red-hot crack. 
at becoming a pro golfer. Didn't work out. You had to get your handicap below three and I couldn't manage. So I um, came home and just kept working in the pro shop and uh, dad offered me a job and I didn't really want to do it at the time. But here I am 12 years later and loving it. So it's uh, a sort of lucky that it happened, but, you know, I didn't know really what I wanted to do, but oyster farming provides such a flexible lifestyle and, um, yeah, that's why I enjoy it. So the process behind creating really good product, what is that? Yeah. What, what's the, what's this, you know, the key ingredients to success behind farming really good quality oysters? You spoke about having, you're not needing as much water, but what do you do that's different? You know, why are yours so good that Aaron goes back to the same place to purchase um, and plenty of other people around Australia, obviously? Yeah. I just think Marimula is just like in that Cinderella uh, sort of area for, for um, Sydney Rock Oysters where the water's pretty warm all year, uh, the water's clean, lots of um, like sea grasses and things growing really well down here. And, yeah, so if you go further north, maybe like we're talking past Bermagui, the water starts to get too warm in the summer, so the oysters stop growing. And it, if you go a bit further south, it gets too cold and they stop growing. So we're sort of in that uh, geologic, uh, geographical area where the water's in that area, like the correct growing temperature most of the year. So we're lucky in that sense. And also the climate here as well. We don't get a lot of rain all the time, but that's another thing we've had the last couple of years that have really hurt us as a business and had to change the business plan a little bit. But, you know, that's sort of farming. You've got to expect things to go wrong here and there. Years ago, there was obviously a big big drama with, with oysters and bacteria and they bought in new regulations. They actually took them off the market till they bought in all new safety regulations and requirements that is to go under to undergo before you can actually sell an oyster now. Now, take us through the processes and the importance that you have to actually sell an oyster because you, you were telling me a little while ago that you have to check the water quality, the bacteria levels, everything now because of that disease. Yeah, so there's a few... We have a weekly, like, test we do just for water quality testing for colonies of E. coli and things like that. Also, after rain events, we have to test as well and we aren't allowed to sell oysters. Uh, so it's 30 mils in a 24 hours or 50 mils in a week. That'll close the lake and we cannot sell oysters out of the lake until it passes uh, you know, water testing and meat sampling uh, through a lab. So we, there are a lot of procedures in place. Uh, we also, every batch of oyster has its own number, which which sort of like trace, you can trace it, and that way, say I send you some oysters, it makes you sick, I can then trace trace that batch and then call anyone else that might have eaten the oysters to see if there's a, you know, a bit of evidence there that, that the oysters were actually the, the thing that caused you to become sick. Um, and if there's more than, you know, one case in the batch, you know, it's probably your oysters. So you've got to, it's, it's good. That it's all traceable now and, um, people can have a bit of a, a sense of, I don't know the word, but you know, they've, if there's a bit of safety behind because oysters, that's what they do. They eat anything that's in the water. So we've just got to be careful and, you know, keep on top of the safety. We know you do, we know you do a good oyster. I can. Trust me, Patrick. They do a good oyster. Uh, fishing. You love fishing. Yeah. 
take us yeah. through what you like doing and where do you what do you what do you normally chase down your way? Mate, I don't get a lot of time to go fishing, but I took the young fella uh, fishing the other day, and we didn't catch, catch a rat's ass. But um, <laughs> there's a lot of like I see fish every day in Marimbula Lake. It's just teeming with them. We're, like uh, last time I went properly fishing, we caught a few good sized flatties just around the lake. And currently at the moment, Marimbula Lake is a massive influx of salmon. Like it is from the entrance to the pub. And anyone who knows Marimbula, that's probably one and a half k's of salmon. Just <laughs> thick. <laughs> it's crazy. To the stage where they're literally shoveling them in boats. Yes. And that, then and that's the, seen the footage. That is not. <laughs> so describe like, that, like describe that to our listeners. There are literally people in boats with shovels, shoveling salmon into boats. <laughs> it's crazy. It's Around a, cardigan. <laughs> <laughs> hey James, thank you so much for your time this morning on Real Adventures and discussing uh, the history uh, of Wheeler's Oysters Farm uh, and your time and uh, with your sister and the business that you're continuing on. That your your parents. I've put a huge amount of work into. We appreciate your time this morning. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. That was for TJM. Take the lead with TJM. Quality four-wheel drive equipment. You're listening to Real Adventures. Welcome back to Real Adventures. We're on the home stretch now. Now the reds tip for the weekend. Uh, Redmond, it is a bit of a... You're taking t- it off me. It's a bit of a TJM uh, review as well. Such is uh, the enjoyment that I have got from these uh, appliances. Do you call them appliances? Tool? Or Would you call them using, tool? If you're using them, they're not a tool. <laughs> <laughs> I have got myself uh, recently uh, a handheld still... Pruna. Now, uh, forget the long-winded sort of name. It's the GTA 26 is sort of, you know, the official name to it. But it's a garden pruner. What it actually is, is a handheld mini chainsaw. And it's got a lithium battery, so it's not too heavy. And this thing is fairly freaking unreal. Now, you've seen me, Redmond, using I've seen you on the Instagram. You don't need to to show me the photos. Shaping trees. I cannot I've seen you in George's treehouse multiple times. I can't get over how good this thing is. It's a mini chainsaw in your hand, and I don't really know what it's for. Do you know what, honestly, I need it for? Side of the house where the boat sits. Yeah, mate, I don't really know what it's for, but you sort of need it. (laughs) Because you like, you need something that's a bit bigger than what oh, you, you some know. Some of the crap in your shed. No, you know, you need something that's a bit bigger than what you have, uh, you know, secateurs for or, or anything <laughs> like that. What do you use? You use this handheld mini chainsaw. That's what it should what be it? called. It's on batteries, isn't it? Yeah, it's got a battery, but that's what it should be called. Handheld mini chainsaw because it's a, it's a better name. mini chainsaw. But for 300 bucks, this thing is unreal. Where do you get them from? From still. So for your your steel deal right across, I think, I reckon there's like 100 steel dealers across the the country. What does Marty say when you rock hard home with all this crap? What have you got now? (laughs) No, that's dead set. That's the first thing she says. What have you got now? And You would waste so much money on crap. Not crap. I'm not saying it's crap. It's crap in general. the (laughs) The best way to describe this is it's the thing, the tool that you didn't know you needed. 
So just, how many times do you reckon you're going to use this till till this war wears off? I walk around in the backyard with it in my hand, just turning it on and off because <laughs> it's like, Zoo! and it's, mate. I'm telling you, if you want more info on the uh, GTA 26 garden pruner, head to still.com.au. They're about 300 bucks, 290, I reckon it was, and it is a cracker. Can't recommend it anymore. That's my tip. Go out and buy yourself a garden pruner, aka the handheld mini chainsaw. Very good. Now, I'm going to take your gaff this week. You right. sent me this during the week. I oh, know. You yeah. said, have a look at this. And I, my comment back to you was, you, was, why the swear word would you open a plane door? <laughs> so a lady has opened a plane door. on an, I don't care where it was in the world. I, got, a, no, I don't even care. On an international, international flight. flight. Yep. If you're looking for the article, Pat, it's on text message when you sent it to me. Uh, yeah, text message. No, Facebook, Facebook. Sorry, I lied to you. Facebook. And uh, I just tried to play the. I was play it then and the sound was about to go through the Bluetooth, so I didn't play it. But she opens the you, plane. Do you want to play it? You want to play it the- only goes for a few seconds. I've got it here. It's not really going to give us any... Um- I don't know what it says. We can just, we're just winging this. This is great. I love this sort of stuff. Oh, mate, the terrifying it- act was caught on camera. Here it is. Channel 7 has uh, reported it. I thought the plane was going to blow up. You <laughs> opened the door on an aeroplane. What do you think was going to happen? Like, what goes through a human's brain are to you, Are open- you going to play it or not? Well, I'm playing it, Patrick, but with everything these days, there's ads that are rolling through in front of it for the 15-second <laughs> clip. So I've tried to talk my way through this, very professional-like <laughs> here. We, it's, it had no ad show- before. The show has unraveled. It's show, the no, show it, has is, unraveled. This is good because we've got one second till it plays. Now, if you turn that volume up, I'll turn mine. Okay. Listen to that. That's the. Oh boy. She's opened the door. And and that's, that's wind going through a plane. What about here? I should have just been blowing the mic before. It would have been the same feeling. I'm it didn't really gain much I'm, out of it. I'm, but I'm glad we got the audio <laughs> for that. The Surely someone's swearing or something, giving us something. You'd cack your ducks. Like where did where did she think it was? Oh, is that another room? Like what goes through your head? I'm I'm guessing not very much. <laughs> You're sitting in the. You've got the extra leg space. You paid the extra one twenty. And you open the door to die. For those playing along at home, uh, the next time you are in a plane, <laughs> the only door that you should be opening is the uh, the amenities, the toilet, if the little green light is on. Um, or if your plane's going down, you need that big slide thing to pop out. That thing, yeah. yeah. But probably not when things are fine. It's <laughs> no. like, hang on, what's this? Hey, hey. Oh, Jesus, I can see a seagull. <laughs> uh, he's hoping the weather picks up next week because yep. it has smashed... Uh, fishing along the majority of the eastern seaboard and and, and anything sort of south of Australia. Western Australia's been okay, but uh, we need a bit better weather next week. Thanks for your company uh, on Real Adventures this morning. We'll see you then.